Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear Don Bears fans, the week is coming to a close. Another day closer to training camp, but we got the good kid in the building. Yurko's here with us for another Friday. Of course, Pat the Designer back at it again. This is the Chicago Bears podcast, and Yurk, I'm going to let you do the talking because uh, I really want to get your opinion straight out of the gate. No interest, hit like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, five stars. Yurk, a week after saying the Chicago Bears would make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Cowherd says that Justin Fields is a bust. Interesting. Based off of Justin Fields saying that he believes he's a top five running quarterback of all time. He named, he listed his five. Talk about how Cam, Randall, yep. A MVP, MVP, Super Bowl Stevie, appearance, blah, blah, Stevie blah. Steve Young, he'd have to Steve Young, he threw in there as well. Four-time champ, he, he threw Bobby Steve Douglas. Young. Bobby Douglas used to do it all the time. Back Some in the great names. Before anybody was doing it, he was doing it. But what are your thoughts on what Colin Cowherd had to say about Justin Fields? Well, I, the first thing you take a look at him, he's a work in progress. We all know that. 100%. They're hoping for improvement this year. Um, you know, I, 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 he says he want, he'd like to throw for 4,000 yards, which would be a blessing. I would love guys. First he'd up. automatically vault right to the top of quarterbacks that ever played in the city of Chicago. If you could do that, uh, because we've never had a 4,000 yard rusher, you know, there's 12 Pass teams, it. 12 teams. Oh no. 11 teams that have a 5,000 yard passer. Yep. You we've never that? had a 4,000 yard one. 11 teams have had a 5,000 yard passer and the bears have never had one. Tampa's had two. You know that Tampa's had two, Brady Tom Brady and, and Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, yeah. So they've had two. So you know that's the first thing. Our quarterback is a work in progress. So you have to acknowledge that. One hundred percent. Secondly, I don't go to national pundits when I want to find out about local teams. I go to the local guys that cover local stuff because all you get out of national guys are talking points. Mm -hmm. You get a talking point. You get barely. Um, the top 5% of anything that's happening within that team or any real knowledge of what's happening with the individual player. And it's just by nature of what they're doing, they got to cover everything. And there's no way in the world everybody can know everything all the time. It doesn't work that way. So anytime you hear, uh, you know, Colin Coward, uh, anybody doing the stuff nationally, Mike Greenberg, uh, Dan Patrick, Jim Rome, I, hey, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to hear it. If I'm going cross country and I can't get nothing on reception and I want to listen to one of these guys, I could stand listening to them for a handful of minutes before I got to turn it and ultimately go to put a CD in. <laughs> put a CD in, listen to a CD. You still so doing CDs? You so still doing the CDs? Who is it? What's your go-to CD? Who is it? Warren Zevon. I respect it Warren so Zivon's much. Warren Zevon's Warren Zevon or Bad Luck Streak and Dancing School. Down on your knees and pray. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I don't go to national pundits because they really don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's like me talking about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. What do I know? They got Shohei, who's great. They got Mike Trout, who's great but injured. And they've never been to the playoffs. Okay, great. That's what I know. That's what I can talk about. Yeah. Doesn't really make me a sports expert about the uh, L.A. Anaheim Angels of Anaheim of, of Orange County. It doesn't. Of Vegas. It doesn't. <laughs> So I don't worry about it. And then when yeah. they contradict themselves in the manner of five, six, seven days, they're <laughs> going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to do this. Yeah. So um, that, that it doesn't bother me. It's just 
that's part of what the national thing is. Yeah. It's all you're going to get. Yeah. You're not going to get anything in depth. You're going to get nothing. You're just going to get some guy that's got to say something. Yeah. So he can keep his name in the news and stay somewhat relevant. That That's what you get with those guys. So I'm not upset at him or not angry at him. It's the nature of what they're doing. Yeah. So just remember to have zero expectations out of any national pundits and you'll never be disappointed. I just I don't have any expectations. I'm never disappointed. Just remember that. That's okay. I'm not going to lie. My whole reason of bringing this to the podcast was so that you guys could hear that from somebody who's not me, yep. who just seems like the angry YouTube guy. That's always like, Oh my God, they're disrespecting our team. They don't know. They right. re- last year, last yeah, year, they, my listen, favorite thing they, from they don't know because it's impossible to know everything. And why is he? What, it's impossible. Why would he watch? Yeah. That's that's what I've always said. Like whenever anybody's like, "Well, he's not watching." We won three football games last season. Right. Why is he watching? Right. So here's here's your other thing. You got 32 NFL teams. Yep. You've got 30 Major League Baseball teams. Yep. You got 30 NBA basketball teams. You've got uh, 30 NHL teams. I don't know if I said NHL already. How the hell are you going to have a mastery of 122 teams? Yeah. And then pretend like you know something about college. Yeah. And then you're going to pretend like you know something about 120 some odd division one programs in college football. Yeah. And you're an expert in something that's going on. You can't do it. You know, the crash course. So as long as you understand that they're not experts in anything, but their delivery is good. They're here to entertain. They're here to inform. Um, you like to think sometimes they're here to educate, but that's hardly ever the case. <laughs> and I, it's not taking a shot. It just it's hard. it is what it is. I don't do national radio. You cover Chicago. It's hard to do national radio. I cover Chicago. I like to think that I know a lot about our local teams, and even then, just covering five, six, seven teams, it's not as easy as people think. No, a hundred percent. It's it's just it's so it's always funny to me because. You can tell the one thing that I can always tell about Colin when things are getting a little slow, he knows who to poke at. Yeah. Poke at Chicago. You poke at New York. Well, you poke at there's, LA. There's a passionate fan base. There. Yeah. Yeah. You can poke at it and they'll, they'll be quick to defend, though. If you poke the White Sox, nobody cares. <sighs> nobody cares. I, it feels like the White Sox are poking themselves it, sometimes. It, 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 take, like, that it, it, like take that however you want to take that. It's like take that however you want to take It's poking the dead possum. Only the White Sox <laughs> are the dead possum that's not playing possum. It's actually dead. dead. It's yeah. actually yeah. dead. One of the greatest yeah. uh, Geico commercials of all time. <laughs> Can I tell you, since, you know, it, we opened it up right away. Let's I'm gonna, do it. I'm going to give you some. I heard something on our air the other day. Somebody telling me that a breakout year for Chase Claypool would be 800 yards. Breakout year for Chase Claypool would be 800 yards. Hasn't Chase Claypool already had 1,000 yards? I was going to say, let, let me double how check do you, that. How do you break out? Wasn't his rookie year a 1,000-yard right, season? That's my point. I might be wrong. How, how do you break out and set the barometer or the bar at 800 for a breakout season for Chase Claypool. So, I, I, first of all, I don't get that. Secondly, 800 divided by 17, you can do the math. I know you can. 47 yards a game. It's it's 47 yards a game. Let me ask you this. Year. Nobody is breaking out of anywhere catching 47 yards a game to think that you're breaking out of something. You haven't broken out of crap yet. Yeah. No, now, you know. So, I, when I hear stuff like that, and was said on our station, and I'm just like 800 yards not a breakout year. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. His that way. his most career yards, rookie year, 873 yards. Year two was 860 yards, and he had a down year last year, 461 yeah. between so, two teams. So sorry, what he's already done is not a breakout year. Yeah, it's not. Now I know he had one year we had nine touchdowns. That's rookie year. That's rookie year. Second year, I believe four, nine touchdowns. 
So you know what a breakout year is? 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns. Yeah. That's a breakout year. That's him saying, look at me. I'm here. I've arrived. I want to get paid. That's what it is. Do do we need – let me ask you this. Do people need to upgrade in their minds what the good numbers are, where we are in sports now? Because a lot of times, right, we always hear he's a 1,000-yard back. You do 60, the math on that. seven yards a game. That's not a good that, – that's an okay running back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not a 100-yard rusher week in and week, right. out, week out. Is it time for people to upgrade? What, what would you say is the new number? that you need to be looking at yards wise from running backs, from receivers for you to say, that's a number one guy. I'd say if you're a running back and you can give me uh, 1800 total yards, receiving and rushing, receiving and rushing mm-hmm. 1800 total yards. I'd say, Hey, it's pretty damn good running back. Yeah. You know, and some guy might give you 1600 and 200 either way, 1800 total yards. And then when you get those rare seasons where you get 2200, 2300, 2400, yeah. Well, then you've got to acknowledge like McCaffrey, I think he caught 1000 yards and he rushed for 1000. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. It's still got a ceiling of what you want to pay that guy because he's running back. But that's pretty good. But he's setting himself up. Right. Yeah, you're in pretty good shape. Uh Ladanian Tomlinson I think was one of those guys. Marshall Falk was one of those AP. guys. Yeah. Any guy that's rushed for 2,000 yards, obviously, Corey <laughs> did that. Uh, Jamal Lewis did that. Yeah. I think Derrick Henry did that. I believe D. Henry does have a 2,000-yard rushing yeah. season. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if you if you do that, and it's one season, it's tough. Uh, that's why the guy that was the, the, the stud, the number one running back in my mind, never to be argued about ever, is Barry Sanders. I'll agree with that. Barry Sanders I'll averaged with five that. yards a rush and damn near 100 yards a game. Not only that, he averaged uh, his averages on turf, and on grass are almost identical. Now explain that. Explain why that why you have why, to look at that. Because everybody said he was a turf guy. He's a product of turf. He could cut on the turf. He could do this on the turf. Yeah, but they're identical. Well, what he did on turf and what he did on grass, whatever the games were, how many ever they cut him down, it was almost 100 yards per game in each. Might have been 100.5 and 95.5. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? They were right there. So anybody wants to knock him, you make a mistake. Five yards every time you touch the ball. And, uh, you know, they, they, for one reason or another, didn't run him on the goal line when Bobby Ross got there. But he was an ankle breaker. Yeah. I, I've seen more guys stutter step John Lynch. I've seen them all. He'd get him, he'd get him in the hole. He'd give him a little bit of, uh, 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 and they'd be gone. <laughs> He'd show him the leg and then hold he'd on, take it hold back. On, hold on, hold yeah. on. Give him a little bit of what? Give him a little bit of that. Huh, huh, huh. <laughs> he, does that. he clipped that yeah. right there. Clipped I mean, that. that. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. I've known. He gave me the huh, huh, huh. And then he was gone. And then on his way, I'm getting up off the ground. On the way back, he tripped over me. Oh, that's going to be He didn't realize segment. I was still there. I was so unathletic, I couldn't get up quick enough. He'd come back and he'd trip up over the top. <laughs> you got the tackle. Yeah, you got the tackle. That's hey, all that matters. You know, the, the great Albert Collins once said, "How can I get your love when you keep on snatching it back? How can I get Barry's leg when he kept on snatching it back? I show, mean, show your little leg and took it away. Give it to me, and he just take it away. Uh, it's like my prom date. You know, <laughs> she showed me it, but then she took it away. So evil, ladies and gentlemen. Only so on the Chicago Bears podcast, man. Mm-hmm. No, I just I I love the fact you know that my we're eyes getting are, this. My stuff. eyes are particularly blue today on the they, podcast. They're, so. they're going they're going a little blue. Little, it's a, the lighting. It's the lighting. Yeah, the lighting is on point be. for you. Whoa! <laughs> and those are real, ladies. I just those aren't fabricated. I just love the fact that it seems like you're 
your thinking is not the thinking of everybody around the league. Everybody, right? He, you still get that he's a thousand yard rusher. He's a thousand yard receiver. Right. And when you break that down, that's yeah. not exactly where it is. I think we need to be a lot more progressive when we look, even with how I look at Justin Fields coming into this season. People think it's crazy for me to say he should be a 3,800 yard passer. That is an average quarterback in today's NFL. Right. We need to be forward thinking and stop thinking well, in the mindset of, well, if we had that guy, he'd be the best guy the Bears ever had. Right. That if doesn't you, mean he's great. Right. You can throw for 3,400 yards. You throw for 200 yards a game. That's uh, What's 200 yards a game in, in this league? You know, that's why your elite quarterbacks are, are chucking it for 5,000 and they're throwing for 30-plus touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, these quarterbacks sometimes are throwing for 50-plus and 45-plus. But that's their crazy year. That's when they're going to be MVP-type years. Yeah. That, you know, that kind of stuff. No. You know, but a normal year for you is quarterback that's thrown for 30-plus touchdowns, 34 touchdowns. He's thrown for 4,400 yards. That's quarterback. Yeah. That's the guy you're going to go out there and you're going to win with. That's the guy that's giving you 270 yards a game. 270 yards a game. That's what he's doing for you. You can win with a guy that's going to do that for you. And that's what you're looking for. And, and the tough part about all of it is those are those are also guys that are like Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. Those are the numbers that guys well, like that are putting Right. Up. The difference between those guys and the other guys is they're giving you 34 touchdowns and four interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And Jameis Winston gave you 5,000 yards. 5,000 yards. Was he turned the ball over 30. 30 he gave you the 30 for 30 season. Yeah. The 30 so, for 30. I can't wait for that documentary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be a good one. You know, how you can be a proficient passer and still not be a proficient passer. I love that. My favorite thing about all of that is after the season, he's like, I think I'm going to go get LASIK. It's like, you couldn't see? Yeah. The entire time you've been playing, you couldn't see? Well, then that makes sense. <laughs> you know? Okay. That's why it was never a shock when Brady went there. Well, how are they going to get better? Easy. He's going to stop the turnovers. That was it. And they had two overtime losses in that year when Jameis Winston was there, too. Two yeah. overtime losses. Yeah. I go, so how do they get better? Easy. They got the quarterback there for a reason because he's more accurate, and they're going to go about their their business winning games. Well, you knew everything else was and Then it's hard to repeat. Yeah, you knew everything else was yeah, in place. Then it's hard to repeat. We got training camp coming up uh, next week, Yurk. Yeah. Starting it off Wednesday, and I can't let you out of here without a great Yurko story because you've got so many of them. Training camp stories. You, I need training camp stories, Yurk. What's so your best training Bay. camp so story? So listen, when we are in Green Bay, what we did uh, once we became uh, a, a good team, I was there in uh, 91, practice squad. 92 is when Holmgren came in. And then uh, we got Favre, but Favre wasn't quite the finished product. 93 was the first year we made the playoffs, right? Right. So in camp in 1994, before the 94 season, we knew we were going to be a good team. And we'd play cards at night, especially when it was special teams practice the next day, and that was the only practice. It was going to be special teams. It was going to be about 90 minutes long. It was going to be over all the teams going back and forth. Some guys would have to go, like I'd have to go because I was on kickoff return. Um, but we knew it was going to be an easy practice. It wasn't going to be physical. It was just going to be legs. So, hell, we'd play cards at 5, 6 in the morning. We'd play Blu-ray. And i play with all the guys from Florida State. And we had like five, six Florida State guys on the team. And then Sean Jones would play. George Teague was an Alabama guy. But Blu-ray was no joke. And, you know, i play with Edgar Bennett. I played with Leroy Butler. Um, Ron Johnson was a tight end out of Florida State. We had a receiver from Florida State. And so we'd all get together. we play. And it was me, right, and five black dudes. And guess what they were playing? 
Boo Whitey. <laughs> That's how they played the game. They come in with me, and it wouldn't be two two one split. You know, three guys are playing the game two two one. You split. Nobody wins the pot. You redeal. You go. No, so one of them is going to win, and they're going to try to go ahead and get me to pay the pot. And I told them guys, I said, "This is not sporting. <laughs> this is not sporting." You can ask them. Leroy Butler will tell you. you ever talk to Leroy Butler? Say, ask him about the Boo Ray games and them playing Boo Whitey, and Whitey was me. And that's who they were coming after. So. But we used to have fun. We played cards all the time. Training camp, we played cards. We played cards in uh, on the plane. Yeah, yeah, we'd have a good time, good time. And then Jacksonville, boy, it was we played a lot of cards too there. Leon Searcy, what's the what's not the most, a good card player? What's, what's the most you've won in a card game? Card. The most I ever won seventy two hundred dollars, and I cut a Peruvian on that. I was about ten five, and then I cut a Peruvian on that deal. That's what we call it if you cut a deal. Right. So you can get paid, you cut him a deal. Right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I took 3300 off what he owed me, and I, you know, and then it came to fruition. <laughs> and then Brad Boyer goes, hey, did you get paid? I said, yeah, he just cut me a check. <laughs> he goes, that mother. And he went in to get paid, too. Oh, no, he didn't get paid? No, he didn't, he didn't paid get paid yet. It's <laughs> the end of the season, champ. We just lost the playoffs. I said, if you don't get your money now, you ain't never going to get your money. So. Oh but yeah, and the most I probably ever lost is three grand. That's not bad. It means you're up. Yeah, it means you're up. And First they, time I ever played cards on a plane was with the Miami Dolphins. We're playing between the sheets. Now you got to explain and, that game there. You, well, you, you can't just leave that one. So in the between air. the sheets, sorry, you lay a card here, say it's five. Lay a card here, and it's a jack. Right. So all you got to do is get between the five and the jack. So you got it six through a ten. Oh, will be a winner okay. for you. So five out of thirteen cards will help you. So the odds aren't that great. Uh, second ace is always high. So say they put a two down and they put a king down. Well, now you've got a slew of cards in between, you know, the two and the king. That you can win off that of. That you can win off. So the three through the queen are winners for you. So what is that? 11 cards? Yeah. Ten, 10 cards. 10 cards. It's 10 cards. So those are winners. 10 out of 13 cards are going to be winners for you. If you get a two or a king, you double. So if you go pot and there's 1,000 in the pot, two or a king come up, you got to pay double. You got to put two thousand in the pot. If you go pot and then, you know seven, boom, you take the money, and then we start all over. We re ante and we go. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of yeah. want to play that game. That yeah. actually sounds like a heck of yeah. a fun game. So we played in Miami, and then it was like uh, Clayton. Clayton would play, Duper would play, yeah. Moreno would play, Jimmy Jansen would play. Then you know I'm over there looking. I'm overlooking the shoulders. The you know the the little like scrappy dude, you know, jumping up, jumping up, <laughs> jumping up. and then I put twenty in the pot one time. And I just I I didn't have the scratch those guys had. Those yeah, guys yeah. had the scratch. I didn't have no scratch. I had a little bit of scratch, but not a lot of scratch. So when it got hot and heavy, and Marino didn't care if he had two cards that were somewhat playable, you know, four four jack for him is a playable hand. Yeah. Six winning hands. That's playable. Fifty fifty for him in his mind. He's he's gonna play it. Right. He, he, but he can he, he can go pot, 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 pot. And all he's gotta do is hit one of the four. Right. And he's a happy camper. But he had the funds where it didn't make a difference. I mean, he was fine. <laughs> no matter. You gotta you gotta be a little bit more uh, a little bit more judicial yeah, with your decision I making. I wasn't as uh, financially strapped as those guys. As liquid either. I wasn't as liquid as those guys were. Yeah, you you, you gotta have it with you. you we always had fun. It was a good time. I mean, uh, training camp was arduous. Early on, uh, training camp for me was necessary because that's where I tried to make the team. Right. In 93 was the last year I really kind of had to bust my ass to make the team. Um, 
because Wolf had a different kind of look at a defensive tackle that he wanted to be in there. So when I made the team in 93 and had the season I had in 93, I was okay. They knew I could play. Yeah. So that wasn't an issue. So 94, 95, 6, 7, 8, 9, when I finished out, I never was threatened by training camp ever that bad things were going to happen right. to me. I always knew that I was fine. I could play. It wasn't an issue. You were going to make the team. I was going to make the team. I was going to be what are you using training camp most for? Get in shape. It, it, that's all. That's all. Like getting the, the, the type of shape that you need to get that soreness out. You got to hit for the first 10 days. You need to get that camp soreness in you. You need to lose your legs. You need to get your legs back. That's what you need it for. Just to sharpen everything up. And then, you know, this is where you work on your stunts. Yeah. With your teammates. This is when you get all that timing down. This is when you get everything down. All your calls, everything. When it's live, you know, when when you're going damn near full speed, you know, as a defensive lineman, I still got to listen to what's happening behind me. Right. Linebacker make a call that's going to affect us or it's going to change the play altogether because we got a blitz on and all of a sudden they come out in a formation that this blitz ain't going to work against. They used to just call orange or apple and we go to a base under 43 or an over, you know, 34. They go back just to base defense. Right. So you had to be listening. And if when apple, apple, orange, orange, you didn't know what the hell we were doing. So. It's. Do you think that players are still using it the same way today when they're coming in shape? You see Demarcus uh, Walker already looking like a monster of yeah, a man. Justin but, Fields coming but in. The description I had made where the body's got to get sore, right? And that can't be replicated without pounding. Okay, you got to be hitting for that to be replicated. Yeah, and so it needs to get sore. Your legs need to go. Then they need to come back, and then that soreness just becomes a part of everyday life, and you become accustomed to it. It never goes away. You just become accustomed no, to it. You, That's just, how it you end up being sore for the better part of four or five months. Then <laughs> you manage it. Then you manage your soreness. Yeah. And the older you get, the tougher it is. Those young kids are spry as rutten bucks. You know, they don't care. They like the soreness. They're flying around there all the time, <laughs> nose in the air. Who can I hit? Who can I go after? What can I do? Yeah. Meanwhile, the old guys are always looking for breaks. <laughs> like when I was young, uh, Rich Moran and, uh, and oh, God, what was his name? Jimmy Campen was the center. Yeah. And they go, man, slow down. Ronnie Hallstrom, slow down. What are you doing? Slow down. Come on. He goes, man, we, we got a plan on Sunday. I said, yeah. I said, you guys are going to be here. You guys are cashing the big checks. I'm on the practice squad. And they pull me aside and say, hey, we got to give him a look. We got to give him a look. Okay. I go, so I got to have the delicate balance of how I do it. Yeah. So have the coaches hate me and be fired or have the players hate me and still have a job. So it's easy. When I was on the practice squad for two years. Yeah. You let the players hate you. But if a guy's hurting is injured, then he doesn't want to be messed with. Yeah. You just got to know. Form up. Boom. You let him go. Let him do what he needs to do. So, Yeah. That's the uh, that's that's, that's the insight right yeah. there. That's the insight. Well, right I had there. to make it. Like I said, training camp was always important for me. I had to make it. Ninety in Miami, ninety-one in Green Bay, ninety-two in Green Bay, ninety-three. I made the team in Green Bay. Then I had the year I had, and then I was fine after that. When you're looking at what the Bears are coming into in training camp this season, what are you? What's the storyline you're most focused on, or what are you? What player? Oh, there's or, only or one, one storyline. It's Justin Fields and the development that Justin Fields has. Uh, the concern of the offensive line: can they mesh together? Uh, will Tanya and push Komet to the point where Komet becomes expendable? Because Komet is just, he's an okay tight end. Yeah. I mean, he's nothing spectacular. He's not baby Gronk. Right. He's not baby Gronk by any stretch of the imagination. So 
we'll see what that dynamic looks like, and maybe they can propel each other to make the tight end position viable. Um, you know, will, will Claypool will Claypool become a player, or yeah. won't he become a player? And what are they waiting for in signing a defensive end like Yannick Nagakwe to rush quarterback? What are you waiting for? I mean, especially after we... Right, if that's the one thing you might need, you need to put pressure on the quarterback. Guess what? Pressure on your quarterback helps your quarterback. Especially... Helps your quarterback. Yeah, 100%. Because it gets you off the field. It gets him back onto the field, and it helps your young defensive backs that have been developing over the course of time. Then Eddie Jackson, is he going to be able to rebound and be the guy that he looked like he was going to be last year as opposed to the guy he was... Two years ago. Yeah. When we had Carmel on the pod, I literally I, I said that the best thing that Ryan Pace ever did for Mitch Trubisky in 2018 was give him Khalil Mack. Because the defense put him in right. so many positions where he's starting at the 40. He's starting on the goal line because of a turnover. He's you know what I mean? Like there was so many well, times points too. Yeah. And they're scoring points, yeah, making things points. easier for him, giving you more opportunity. Like, that was the best thing you could have done for him. When that defense fell apart, the offense had nothing because now right, you're actually having to start at the 20 they had and nothing. go down the field. Yeah, they had nothing. And so it's – it's. I think that especially even hearing yesterday that the Bears are looking to add depth to the DB room, I'm I, I'm very confused with what they're going to do with this defensive line. And I, I really want to see how they're going to attack – Right, like if they come into the season with what they have now, you're talking about basically maybe being able to run stop, which is which is a thing they need to do and improve vastly in. But I don't feel like there's a lot of guys that are going to get a ton of pressure on the quarterback on this team. Well, we don't know. That's your problem. You don't know. Uh, you'd feel better if if Nagakwe was out there, especially on second long and third and long situations. I don't know if you play him on first down. I have no idea. I don't know what you'd be paying him at that point. Yeah where you'd have the luxury of not putting them out there. Um, I think the overall quality of the defensive line is better. 100%. I think the quality of your defensive line is better. But, you know, unless you're uh, Cortez Kennedy, unless you're Warren Sapp, those guys came in the league right away and dominated. They came in the league, and they were forces to be reckoned with. Yeah. Unless you're those guys, it takes a little bit of time for to be seasoned at the defensive tackle position because the action's coming from everywhere and you're going to want to run too fast. You're going to want to get out of there. You got to learn how to slow things down. I don't even think Marcus Stroud and John Henderson were studs their first year in there. It took them a little bit of time. And then once they kind of figured it all out, then those guys were mainstays for eight plus years with Jacksonville Jaguars and they were dominant. Yeah. And they were, and they made life easy on anybody that was coaching them. So, um, can they have that ability? Might they have that talent? Maybe. Maybe. But it has to come to fruition. It feels like we have a lot of the the other guy uh, on this team right now, right? Like I look at a guy like um, Demarcus Walker or even Andrew Billings, right? Who They come in with nice sack season, Rasheem Green, right? Like they're coming off of seven sack seasons, different things like that. But they were the beneficiary of the focus being on somebody else. Sure. Are they going to be able to replicate that here in Chicago? Right. I think that's why you try to go get a well, Yannick and Gakwe. Right. It's why you try to go find that's, somebody who can be the focus. Uh, rushing next to Reggie White is a whole lot easier <laughs> than rushing next to Gabe Wilkins. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if Reggie's not there and you're with Sean Jones, Sean Jones, good pass rusher, had a, I think he had 100-plus sacks in his career, but Sean Jones wasn't Reggie White. Yeah. 
You know, nobody said, hey, let's focus on Sean Jones. Everybody was focusing on Reggie White. So, yeah, rushing with Reggie is a whole lot easier. So when – and not only that, but when you have Reggie, you're kind of dictating what they have to do. And you can tell what they're going to do pre-snap, how they plan on, on tackling. Are they going to chip with the back? Uh, is there a tight end that's going to come in and secure him with the tackle? Or are they going to slide three over to Reggie? Uh, and and you're going to get half a guard if you're playing over the offensive guard, and you're going to get the center coming to punch you in the face. So, you know, the the slide. So you you kind of know what's happening and what's not happening, and then you can kind of dictate what you want to do off of that. Right. But, I mean, that's the great thing about having an elite pass rusher. You kind of – it makes you force their hand, and you know what their hand's going to be. Once you get pre-snap, you know exactly how they plan on blocking it. And when those guys aren't in there, they can they can attack you a little bit. Well, yeah, they can do what because, they want yeah. as far as protection because you got no elite pass rusher out there. Right. Right. No, 100%. And we don't know if there's anybody that's going to be elite on this uh, pass rushing unit. We don't know. Feels like they're riding Maybe. with the rookies. Feels like they're going to say, listen, well, Javon, Zach, get out there and let's see what we got. If you can go through the season and have 40 sacks after having only 20 last year, yeah, I think you're a whole lot better. If a defensive lineman is your leader in sacks this year as opposed to your safety, I think it's a whole lot better. It does make a difference yeah. when when you're when your best pass right. rusher is the guy not starting thirty yards back. You know yeah. what I mean? Hey, uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in and rocking with us for another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Your eyes are coming through real blue, so make sure you check us out over on the YouTube side and tune in with that. As always, it's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again. The Chicago Bears podcast. Bear down. 